What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Miller. So in this episode, I'm going to preview the week six slate of the college football season, and then I'll also preview the MLB divisional round, which starts today, and I'll also recap what happened in the MLB wildcard round earlier this week. So let's start off with college football. Washington State, the number 13 team in the country, heading to UCLA. Washington State is an underdog in this game, but they have one of the best quarterbacks in the country who is definitely in consideration for the Heisman right now, even though he is a long shot probably to win at this point. He's had a very good season. That is Cameron Ward. 13 passing touchdowns, no picks, with 109 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns on the season. So 16 total touchdowns, no interceptions. Washington State's offense is fifth best in the country in points per game at just about 46 points per game on the year. Their top receiver is Josh Kelly, who's having a great season. With 21 catches with 336 yards and 5 touchdowns, Washington State is 4-0 on the season, coming off an upset win over Oregon State a few weeks ago. They had a bye week last week, so heading into this game, they did get a break. UCLA is 3-1 on the season, coming off a 14-7 loss last week to Utah. They haven't beaten anyone really good yet, so that's why I believe in Washington State in this one. Give me Washington State winning this one 34-30. BC at Army. BC is 2-3 on the season. Coming into this one, they got a win last week over Virginia, and a win today would get them back to 500, which would be vital and unreal considering how slow BC started on the season. 0-1 started on the season, almost lost to Holy Cross in Week 2, had a very good game in Week 3 versus Florida State, and then Week 4 got blown up versus Louisville. If BC could find a way to win this game today and get back to 500, that would be huge for the season. As for Army, they are 2-2 two two on the year, losing 29-16 in their last game to Syracuse. They are two wins on the season to UT San Antonio and Delaware State, so they haven't beaten anyone good. Army is starting to pass the ball more than they ever did, but they will still use the triple option offense for the most part, which has produced over 209 rushing yards per game on average. So BC has to find a way to tackle well in this one. I think BC will be able to move the ball in this one. They just need the defense to step up in big moments. It's supposed to rain in this game, so it could be a big ground day for both teams. And in that case, a lot of people would probably favor Ami, considering how well they do run the triple option. But I'm going to go with BC winning this one. They were trailing last week to Virginia. Ended up having a big second-half comeback and won the game. It wasn't Thomas Castellanos' best day throwing the ball. Just two passing touchdowns, two picks, 183 yards. But he did do very well on the ground. 16 carries to 79 yards. I think BC needs this win to get back to 500. I think they'll be able to move the ball, as I said. I think they win this one a very close game. I'm going to go BC winning this one 27-23. Next up, we have Toledo at UMass. This is UMass's third MAC opponent on the season. Toledo's 4-1 heading into this week, winning 35-33 last week versus Northern Illinois. Daquan Finn, their quarterback, has had a very good season. 960 passing yards, 10 passing touchdowns, 4 interceptions, and he's only been sacked just two times on the air, so their offensive line is playing very well. UMass 1-5 on the season with one win coming in Week 0 against New Mexico State. Toledo's averaging 41 points per game. UMass at just 26 points per game. I think Toledo takes care of business in this one in Amherst and wins 40-23. Next up, we have number 10, Notre Dame, at number 25, Louisville. Louisville's 5-0 on the season behind Jack Plummer, who's their quarterback. 11 passing touchdowns, 6 picks on the season. Both defenses are playing very well. Notre Dame giving up just 13 points per game. Louisville at 17 points per game. Both teams averaging around 37 points per game on offense. Notre Dame is giving up just 271 yards per game. And I think they step up today and lead the Irish to a win over the Cardinals. I think the defense will be a big factor in their win today over Louisville. Sam Hotman is due for a big game after no touchdowns last week. I would say he has four touchdowns in today total. And they find a way to win 38-27 over Louisville. Next up, we have number 12, Oklahoma at number 3, Texas. Texas is coming off a 40-14 win last week over Kansas. In that game, Quinn Ewers had 325 passing yards, a passing touchdown, an interception, and two rushing touchdowns. Oklahoma is coming off a 50-20 win over Iowa State last week. Behind a big game from their quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, who had 366 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, an interception, and eight carries for 37 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. 
So in total, 400 total yards and five touchdowns on the day. Oklahoma's offense is averaging 47.4 points per game. Texas at 36 points per game on offense. Both defenses have been great on the season too. Oklahoma averaging 10.8 points allowed per game on defense. Texas at just 12.8 points per game allowed on defense. So both teams have had a very good season defensively. That's very unlike the Big 12 considering a lot of their games are high-scoring games. I think this one will be a high-scoring game. I think Oklahoma wins in an upset 42-38. Next up, we have number 23, LSU at number 21, Missouri. LSU 3-2 on the year. Missouri at 5-0. Missouri's been very strong to start the season. They beat Vanderbilt last week 38-21 behind 395 passing yards and four passing touchdowns from their quarterback, Brady Cook, who's been very good on the year for them on their offense. Missouri's defense has been very good as well, averaging 21 points per game allowed on defense. LSU is allowing 31 points per game allowed on defense, or 10 less points allowed per game for Missouri's defense on the season. LSU averaging 44 points per game on offense. Missouri at 32 points per game on offense. I think Missouri quiets Jaden Daniels down in the LSU offense. I think they win this one 32-29 in a big upset win over LSU. Next up, we have number 11, Alabama at Texas A&M. A&M is 4-1 on the year. The same goes to Alabama. Alabama is coming off a 40-17 win last week over Mississippi State behind a big game from their quarterback, Jalen Monroe, who had a great game on the ground. Not really great passing, but very good game on the ground. 11 carries to 69 yards and two touchdowns. A&M beat Arkansas in their last game, and then two games ago beat Auburn by three scores. They beat Arkansas by two scores, and then Auburn by three scores. They've been very good on the season. I think Alabama wins this one. A very close game, low scoring with Alabama winning 27-23. Next up, we have number 20, Kentucky at number one, Georgia. I think Kentucky stays close to this one. I think they threaten Georgia with the chance to give them their first loss of the season. They're coming off a huge victory over Florida last week, 33-14. In that game, Kentucky's running back, Ray Davis, had a big game, 26 carries to 280 yards and three touchdowns with a nine-yard touchdown reception as well. So almost 300 total yards and four total touchdowns on the day. I had Georgia out of the college football playoff as a hot take before the season began. I didn't believe in them as much as most people did heading into the season. I didn't really believe in Carson Beck as much as most people did, considering a lot of people thought it would be a seamless transition between Beck and Stetson Bennett. I thought Stetson Bennett was a lot better than people gave him credit for over the past few years for Georgia. I wasn't really believing in Carson Beck too much heading into the season. I think today is going to be a close game. And even though Kozimek has played well in the season, credit to him. I'm going to go with Kentucky as my upset pick of the week. I think they win this game 34-31. I think it'll be a very close game. Kentucky needs to find a way to get more passing yards downfield from Devin Leary. Leary just had 69 passing yards and a touchdown last week in their win over Florida. If they win this game, they need Leary around 225 to 250 passing yards with probably two touchdowns at the very least if they want to win this game. I think Georgia's a very good team. But I always felt they'd lose a game at some point in the middle of the season that people aren't expecting them to lose. Kentucky coming in of a very big win last week over Florida. I'm going to believe in them as an upset pick today. With that being said, though, this could go completely south and Georgia blows them out. You never know. That's just how Georgia's been over the last few years. Anytime you do doubt them, they find a way to correct you and then obviously show you how good they are. But I think Kentucky wins this game in an upset win by three points over Georgia. So I apologize for talking really quick there. I just wanted to get this episode out before the 12 o'clock games kick off. Now I'm going to talk about the MLB wildcard round, which was honestly quicker than I thought it would go. I thought at least a couple series would go to three games. There were four sweeps in the MLB wildcard round, which I didn't expect at all. I didn't expect the Twins to beat the Blue Jays. I didn't expect the Brewers to beat the Diamondbacks. I did have the Phillies losing to the Miami Marlins, but I thought at the same time that I could obviously be wrong there. I felt like the Phillies had a good chance of beating Miami, but I went with the underdog pick there since I thought Miami would be a streaky team and could give them some trouble. The Rangers dominated the Rays 7-1 in Game 2. They also won Game 1 4 to nothing. Nate Evaldi was unreal in Game 2, and he looked like the Nate from the first half of the season before he got hurt. Six and two-thirds innings pitch, six hits allowed, one earned run, and eight strikeouts. 
Every Ranger in Game 2 had a hit, which is why I think this team and their offense is so dangerous. The Rays couldn't get fans to the game in this series. Just 19,000 as an attendance total in Game 2. The MLB has been growing their audience. They surpassed 70 million total fans in attendance this year for the first time since 2017. That was the largest percent increase in 40 years. 9.6% growth from last season to this season, which is the most in 40 years. And even with all of that, the Rays still had a hard time getting fans to a playoff game which they have a very good team, considering all the injuries they've had and everything, and obviously everything going on with Juan DeFranco. They have had a lot of bad luck, especially with Shane McClanahan getting hurt, Jeffrey Springs getting hurt, but they still have a very good team. And they drew 19,000 fans, just 19,000 fans. The MLB had 24 of 30 teams gained fans this season from last year to this year. Some of the Rays only had 19,000 people in the stands for a playoff game. So now I'm going to transition to talking about the Twins who shut down the Blue Jays. They won both games in close games, 3-1 to one and 2 to nothing. Credit to the Twins pitching. Pablo Lopez was great. Five and two-thirds innings pitched, just one earned run, five hits, three strikeouts and two walks. Sonny Gray went five innings, five hits allowed, no runs, six strikeouts and two walks. This starting pitching is what makes them dangerous, but their offense needs to generate more runs if they want to find a way to upset the Houston Astros. The Diamondbacks shocked me beating Milwaukee. The Diamondbacks starting pitching is very good, but I thought Milwaukee would win this series in a very close one. I thought it would go three games. Corbin Carroll was great for the Diamondbacks, hitting 571 in the series with a 667 OPS, including a two for four game with a double in game two. As for the Brewers, they only had a few hitters that showed up in this one, and they included Christian Yelich, who was 3 for 5 in game two with a run scored, a stolen base, and a double. Willie Adamas hit very well in the series. As you've known, I'm a big fan of him. I've mentioned him a good amount on the podcast. Hit 571 in the series with a 1 for 3 day and an RBI in game two. The Phillies pitching blanked Miami's offense in the wild card round. They beat them 4 to 1 and 7 to 1. Aaron Nola was great in game two on the mound for the Phillies, going seven innings, three hits allowed, three strikeouts, and one walk. I thought Miami's going to put up more of a fight in this one, but I was wrong there. This Phillies team is very deep and obviously very dangerous considering how much they did in October last season. So we'll see what they do in the divisional round, which begins today. We have the Rangers at the Orioles in game one. That'll be the first game of the divisional round. We have Andrew Heaney on the mound for the Rangers, 10 and 6 on the year with a 4.15 ERA versus Kyle Bradish for the Orioles. He's 12 and 7 on the season with a 2.83 ERA. What a year for the Orioles. So happy to see their rebuilds completely turn the franchise around. Their fans deserve it more than any other fan base in baseball, considering how many painful years they had over the last three or four years. I think the Rangers' offense is just so dangerous to bet against. I do like the Orioles, and I do wish them nothing but the best, but they're a very young team. They still need a little more pitching, especially a stop pitcher. I think the Rangers win this series in five games. No Max Scherzer on the roster for the Rangers, which is tough. Jordan Montgomery, Nate Evaldi, those two guys are going to have to step up like they did against the Rays in the wild card round. I think the Rangers win this series in five games. I like their offense a lot. Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, it's hard to bet against those guys. I'm going to go with them winning this series in five. Credit to the Orioles, though. They do have the talent to advance here. Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, just to name a couple guys in that lineup. Very talented roster, but I like Texas in this series to win in five games. Next up, we have the Twins at the Astros. The Twins found a way to get by Toronto. But getting by Houston will be a tougher test. The Twins did win their first playoff series since 2002, so credit to them. Obviously, not many people really saw this heading into that series. I thought Toronto was going to win that series in two or three games. I forget what my prediction was. I think it might have been three games. But regardless, they found a way to win the Twins, so credit to them. Houston did mess around a ton in September. They did show that they can be vulnerable and lose some games, considering they lost to the Kansas City Royals a good amount in the last month of the season. But their experience... And their talent makes it tougher here on Minnesota. Minnesota's offense has to step up and get more production. I think Houston wins this series, though, in four games. Next up, we have the Phillies at the Braves. The Phillies proved me wrong against Miami. I thought Miami would at least take a game in that series and make it harder on the Phillies. But credit to the Phillies pitching staff, they showed up. Obviously, a ton of stock talent on that Phillies team. Trey Turner, Bryce Hopper, Kyle Schwarber. They have a lot of talent there. 
The Braves' offense this season was just unfair. Best record in the MLB with 104 wins. Just seven losses on the season of their 58. Came when their opponents scored less than three runs. So if they hold their opponent to three runs, they win the game. And they also had 307 home runs as a team this season, which tied the MLB record. Spencer Strider is a great ace. He was great on the season. 281 strikeouts and 20 wins on the year. He broke the franchise record which was previously held by John Smoltz, obviously a legendary pitcher there for the Braves. They didn't have too much firepower to bet against them. Ronald Acuna Jr., Matt Elson, Austin Riley, Ozzie Albies. That lineup is absolutely stacked. And I didn't even mention Sean Murphy, Marcelo Zuna, Michael Harris II. They didn't have so much talent. It's tough to bet against them. So I'm going to go with the Braves winning this series in four games. Their offense is just tough to bet against. 276 team batting average, which is number one in baseball, 5.85 runs per game, which is also first in baseball, with a 4.114 ERA on the year, which is 15th. Acuna on the year, 337 batting average with 41 home runs, 106 RBI total, 84 strikeouts to 80 walks. So obviously he sees the plate very well. 596 slugging percentage with a 1012 OPS and also 73 stolen bases. Ridiculous season for him. It was video game numbers all year. I think the Braves win this series in four games. Next up, we have the Diamondbacks at the Dodgers. The Diamondbacks shocked me in the wild card round. Credit to them. They found a way to win their first multi-game series in the playoffs since 2007. So credit to them. They really shocked some people winning that first round matchup against Milwaukee. But this will be an uphill battle for them going up against the Dodgers. I don't think they have what it takes to upset the Dodgers in their lineup. The Dodgers do have Clayton Kershaw on the mound opposite Merrill Kelly in Game 1. The Dodgers are hitting 257 as a team this year, which is 7th best in baseball. Issue for them, though, is pitching. But I do think they have enough offense to make up for it. The Dodgers do need their bullpen to step up in October. But considering how much star talent they have, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, that's the best one-two punch in baseball in my eyes besides Shohei Otani and Mike Trout when healthy. Bets on the year, 307 batting average with 39 home runs, 107 RBIs with a 987 OPS. Freddie Freeman, 977 OPS, 29 home runs, 102 RBIs and a 331 batting average. The Dodgers will need their young pitchers to step up, including Bobby Miller. I expect the Dodgers to use their younger pitchers since they're really in a tough position with all the injuries they've had this season. Tony Gonsolin, Dustin May, Walker Buehler, all three of those guys being injured this season was obviously tough for them. I expect them to use their younger pitchers, though, like Gavin Stone, Ryan Pepio, Emmett Sheehan. Those guys are going to have a role in this playoff run, and they're going to have to step up for them. I think the Dodgers win this series in four games. I will probably stay with what I had before in the ALCS and NLCS predictions from before the playoffs began, where I had the Dodgers over the Braves and the Rangers over the Astros in the ALCS and NLCS. Anyways, it will conclude this episode. I'm so sorry for flying through that. I just wanted to get this episode recorded before the 12 o'clock games kicked off of college football. Anyways, it will conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. I hope you guys have a good one, and I will see you guys in the next episode. Have a great weekend.